Hey, it's Kevin. Thanks for joining us online today here at Thrive Church. You've actually joined us in a series called First Fruits. And no, it's not about eating your fruits and vegetables, though you should eat your fruits and vegetables because they're good for you. Um, This series, what we're looking at is how do we leverage our resources to honor God? We believe everything that God has given us is from Him. Every resource, every dollar, every breath is for God. And so as a follower of Jesus, we want to also return that back to God and say, we want to honor you. And we have a saying at Thrive that God gets the first and the best and then we'll trust him with what's left. Or we'll give God the first and the best and we'll honor him with what's left. And so in the same way, we want to teach you during this series how to honor God and leverage your resources to build God's kingdom. Because you'll have a focus. Either I'll build my kingdom or I'll build God's kingdom. And sometimes those kingdoms are opposed. And we want to help you as a follower of Jesus today to see the blessings and the benefits and the rewards of building God's kingdom and putting him first. Why? Because he's given us everything that we have. Hope you enjoy today's message from one of our communicators here at Thrive Church. Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing today? Seems like it's been a really long time since I've seen you guys today. Um, (laughs) When I first started out in ministry, I want to tell you the story. When I first started out in ministry, I actually started off as a ministry intern. And for those of you that have no idea what an intern is, basically means you're doing all of the junk work, right? You're doing all the work that no one really wants to do. Now, when I was first starting off, I was just so excited to be working within a church, doing ministry. It didn't matter to me what it was that I was doing, just as long as I was doing it. And the timing worked out for me because I was still in college I didn't have a whole lot of time on my hands, so the only thing that I really could do was some of, this smaller, some of these smaller tasks that the other uh, individuals at our church didn't want to complete. Now, the biggest problem that I ran into was when I graduated, and I was newly married, and we had bills to pay, it wasn't really much of an option for me to be making little to no money or working a part-time job. So I had to make some changes. Something had to give in the context of my work life. And some of you might be thinking, well, you know, I guess this would be an opportunity for you to just move on. You could either find a new vocation, stay where you're at within the church, but find a new job, another job, and you can still uh, complete the tasks Uh, that you have, or you can just stay in ministry but move on to another church that can afford to pay you full-time salary. The problem that I ran into was that I truly believed and I felt God was calling me to this particular church. I had no idea at the time why God was calling me to this particular uh, church or this location, but I knew that this is exactly where I needed to be. And I remember I spoke to a few individuals at our church, just kind of told them my, my story. I kind of just told them what I was feeling led to do, the situation that we were in as a family. I remember talking to a few individuals within my own family, just telling them everything that I believed uh, God was calling me to do. And I wasn't begging for anybody to do anything for me. It's just people were asking, and I, and I shared my story. The coolest thing happened. When I shared this story with individuals within my church, individuals uh, in my family, within a few weeks, those people gave enough money to our church for me to come on full-time for a full year. It was huge for a full year. Now, we didn't know what was going to happen after that year, but we know that they made an investment into 
me. They made an investment into our church and the ministry uh, that I was a part of so that I could do something great within that first year. They made an investment in my ministry to see lives changed through the work that I was doing at our church. And my responsibility, having received this blessing from those individuals, my responsibility was to use my time and to use my talents for God with the resources that these individuals gave to me. And if you've joined us today for the very first time, we're actually wrapping up our series called First Fruits. And in this series, we've been looking at how we value money and generosity the way that God values generosity. And today, we're going to see how the investment that those people made into me, how that has something in common with the way that God views generosity. And if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't have your Bibles, that's all right. We have it on the screen. You can look up there and follow along as we read this story. But in this passage, we're going to look at how the Apostle Paul addresses what generosity should look like. Paul writes a letter to this church in Corinth about this touchy subject of giving. And, and there are those of you here that know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not a subject that we like to cover very often. And a few of you in here might have just cringed a little bit when I even said something about generosity or when we started talking about the word giving. Give, give is a four-letter word for a few of you in this building right now. It's, it's a touchy subject, especially within the context of our church. Now, this passage in 2 Corinthians, it's one of the most overlooked passages by people who get mad at the fact that God calls us as believers to fi give financially to the church or to missions or to ministry, to be generous to others. So let's go ahead and jump into this verse, starting with verse 1. I, don't, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. That, that's huge. This church was so generous that it was actually making the churches surrounding them want to be more generous. Continuing on with verse 3. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. Basically saying, I don't want to be the boy who cry cried wolf, right? I want to make sure that you guys are actually going to do what you said you're going to do. Verse 4, we would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift. This is key, a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each divide in your heart how much to give. And, I, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, 
They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. We're going to come back to that because that is a very key verse. But continuing on, verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Why does God resource us? Why does God invest in us? Is it so that we can be greedy? No. Is it so that we can be selfish? Absolutely not. Is it so that we can lord it over people? Is it so that we can go on vacations every other week and we can feel really good about ourselves, that we're, we're better than the next person? It's not about any of that. It's about being generous. Continuing on. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. They're not going to thank you. They're going to thank God for that generosity. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God, for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Paul's taking this a little bit further than what they were accustomed to. It gets a little deeper when he says this. Generosity isn't just something that's optional. It's not something we can just kind of choose we want to be or not be. God views generosity as obedience. Verse 14, And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. See, Paul is encouraging this church to be generous. And we can sum up what Paul says in this entire uh, scripture we just read with the following thing. And this is our big idea. If you have your notes available, if you want to write this down, if you've got your phone, you want to take a picture of the screen, that's fine. This is our big idea for today. It's this. God invests in generous believers. God invests in generous believers. See, the people in my life said, we're going to resource you. We're going to bless you. We're going to invest in you. But it's going to come on our terms, so to speak. They didn't write out these terms, but they came with, with terms. And the terms were this, to spread the gospel to others and also to bless other individuals when we were able to do so. In a sense, passing it on, not letting the generosity just stop with them blessing me and, and my family, but also us taking that and blessing and being generous to other individuals. And God says the same thing to each one of us. His expectation of us is to be generous to the work in the kingdom, the kingdom of God. So let's look at verse 10 again. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And I don't want you to miss what we're saying here. Don't just glaze over this big idea. God invests in generous believers. But we miss this. We miss this as believers. And this is why. We say that when we get money, we'll then be generous to others. 
We'll bless others when, when we make just a little bit more. If I get that raise at the end of this month, then I'll start being generous. There's always a but to the whole situation. So we miss out on the supernatural blessing of God in our own finances when we act this way. And I don't want you to miss out on this, and God doesn't want you to miss out on this either. Giving financially, giving generously isn't about what God gets from you. It's about what He wants for you. And it's called making room for God. Pastor Kevin has talked about this before. When you are generous, God replenishes with more so you can continue to be generous to others around us. Take a look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. It says this, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So what do we do with this? Where do we go from here? And this is what our next step is for today. We believe at Thrive that everybody has a next step in their faith journey. And this is what our next step today is, is to create a lifestyle of generosity to God's work on the earth. Create a lifestyle of generosity to God's work on the earth. Now, here's a little disclaimer. If you are not a follower of Jesus, we're not asking you to do anything, okay? We're not, at the end of this service, I'm not going to ask you to take out your purse and your wallet and give to the church. I'm not doing that so just, you can calm down a little bit, you can, you can wipe the sweat off your brow, we're not doing that today. But for those of you who are not believers, this concept might seem a bit strange. But we know that as believers, when you surrender your life to the one who sacrificed his life for yours, then you want to be generous because you have seen that God gave his best for you. Pastor Brian Seymour, our first impressions pastor over at our Chesterfield campus, he, he tells this story, and, and next time you see him, you should have him tell this story to you because he tells it way better than I do because it actually happened to him. But the story goes like this. He was going on a missions trip. And he was with several other guys, and so they had to call an Uber, you know, to start their travels. And for some reason, everybody else in the car just straight up falls asleep. That's God working somehow, I guess. But everybody in the car just fell asleep except for Pastor Brian. And their Uber driver was a Muslim man. And he was asking him, what are you guys up to? What's the purpose of your travels? And Pastor Brian's telling them, well, we're going on a missions trip, and we're going to go, and we're going to bless others, and we're going to spread the gospel. And what this guy couldn't understand was why anybody would spend their own hard-earned money and just go give it away and not receive anything in return financially. He could not fathom that somebody would do all of this on their own dime. But we know something different as believers. We know that our goal is to live a lifestyle of generosity, and especially in the area of our own finances. Now, I want to back up just a little bit. I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and let's look and see what Paul has to say in this. Starting with verse 1, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. 
For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for the first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Verse 7, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. This is the amazing thing about this passage. These churches were literally begging to be a part of this movement. They were begging to spread the message of Jesus to the surrounding areas. And Paul told the Corinthian church that he wanted them to excel in this ministry of generosity. And that's what we want from you here. Thrive. That's what I want for you guys today as individuals, to do the same thing, to excel in generosity. Now, there are three truths that we have about generosity. Three truths, and, that's what, and here's the first one. The first one is this. Generosity is not based on amount, but the amount of sacrifice. Generosity is not based on amount, but the amount of of sacrifice. See, we get a clear picture, an example of this in the New Testament when we see Jesus in the temple with his disciples. And they're watching all of these Jewish people go into the temple and they're, and they're throwing money into the plate, right? Into the box, giving their tithe, giving their offering. So everybody could see how much they were giving, right? There were some people probably taking handfuls, just tossing it in there just so everybody could be in awe of how much they were giving. But we see in this story, Jesus points out the widow. He just drops in two coins. And see, those of us, we would look at that and we'd say, well, she didn't give anything at all. Who cares, right? She should be ashamed of herself. But Jesus says, no, she truly sacrificed. She was struggling financially. And she gave more with those two coins than any of these other people walking in with handfuls were giving on that day. So don't ever be embarrassed that your offering is less than someone else's. Never be embarrassed. I mean, they may actually be giving less according to God. I mean, if a person gets a million dollars and gives 10000 that's only 1%, right? The single mom may only have a tithe of $200, from her $2,000 that she receives. In God's eyes, that is a sacrifice. That could put them in financial jeopardy. That's a sacrifice. The second truth about generosity is this. Generous people are joyful. Generous people are joyful. So we get confused. We flip this around a lot. We often think that joyful people just like to be generous. Happy people give, right? But generous people don't see giving as a burden. 
It excites them to partner with God, to see the kingdom of God grow. People come into a relationship with Jesus. It energizes them when they are generous. That's what gives them joy. We see this all the time in media. We see it all the time with people who are famous. Some of the most miserable people on this earth are those who hoard what they have. That's why some of the richest celebrities overdose or they're chronically depressed. They have it all through our eyes. They have it all, but they can't find joy. And one of the major attributes of a follower of Jesus is joy. That joy is produced by generosity towards his kingdom. Here's the final truth on generosity. Generosity is action, not intention. Generosity is action, not intention. And see, many of us, we'd say that we're generous people. We want to believe that we're generous people, but I bet if people had access to your checkbook or if they had access to your online banking statements, it might show something else. If people looked at your own personal finances, would they be able to tell that you are a follower of Jesus? Would they be able to tell that you believe what you're preaching? Would they be able to tell that you believe in Jesus, that you want to see his kingdom grow here on earth? I would say that with most of us, we struggle in this area. Because really wanting to do something isn't doing it. Really wanting to be generous doesn't just make you generous. Generosity is action. A few years ago, Elizabeth and I, we moved from Nashville to Richmond. And I've, we've told this story a few times to a few different people. But we worked at the same church together. Well, she grew up in the church, but I, I started working there, and I worked there for 12 years. It was the same church. I kind of learned my chops, so to speak, in this church. This is the church that the people invested in me in and were able to bless me in. And to kind of make a long story short with all this, our original church property was sitting on 33 acres. And we just didn't need that. We were kind of wasting resources. We didn't need this much space. We were paying so much and property taxes, so much on the building that we couldn't do ministry the way that we really wanted to do it. We couldn't focus and pour all of our attention on people because we were too worried about paying the bills. So we decided to do something. We decided to sell that building. And it was in a prime location where it was just building up. So we sold that building. We sold that property. And we had over $2 million in our account. And this is the funny thing. We only had about 30 people in our church, okay? So you're sitting here with 30 people in your church, and you have a multi-million dollar budget overnight. But here's the really cool thing that happened. The really cool thing that happened. We started to believe that God was calling us to something bigger, See, Elizabeth and I, we had some financial security. It was, it was awesome. I love being financially secure. 
<laughs> but we believe that God was calling us to do something drastic, something big. So we decided that we were going to close down our church. And I know that some people go, close a church? That's blasphemous. No, it's not. It's not. We closed this church. We threw away seven years. We did the math. And if no one ever gave to our church ever again, we threw away seven years of financial security. And we decided we were going to take this $2 million, and we're going to donate it to other churches. We're going to donate it to other ministries. We took our building, which we paid outright for. We donated that building. Everything inside of that building, we donated to a youth organization that wanted to reach kids that were struggling in life. They didn't have a good home. They didn't have parents. They didn't have love. They didn't have support. And their main goal, their main objective was to take these kids and to say, you are loved, you are welcome here, and we are gonna show you the love of Jesus. We gave them that building. We gave them everything inside of that building, and it hurt my heart a little bit because there was a lot of cool instruments in there. But we said, it's not ours, it's yours. And we gave them a year's worth of money to pay somebody to be there full time because we said, we want to invest in you because we believe that you can do more with the little amount that we're giving you than we could ever do in the seven years being in that building with that much money. After that, we divided this money to other churches and organizations around us and we said, we're not in competition with you. We never were in competition with you. We believe in you. We believe in what you're doing. Take this money. Grow the kingdom. We bless them with this. We blessed organizations who are reaching teenage girls who were pregnant, who had nobody. We had a girl in our own church that went through this program. She struggled with addiction, and she went through it. We said, you're doing great stuff. Take this. We didn't get rich off of this. We were doing a lot better in Nashville than we're doing here. I don't want you to mistake what we're saying here. But we have this joy within us now that we would have never had had we stayed where we were at. Because our God is so good. Living generously will bless you beyond anything you could possibly imagine. We have an opportunity here at Thrive every single year. It's not today, but every single year on December 20th, we do what we call an accelerate offering. And it's our chance for all of us to give one time, to partner together and live generously so that we can actually speed up the vision for Thrive, for the kingdom. Because we found that there are two things that slow down vision. It's lack of leaders and it's lack of resources. And we want to be able to be a church that never has to say no to God and never has to say no to people. So here's what we're asking. 
in faith, we're going to believe God to do something amazing. And we're asking on December 20th for each one of us to give $20.20 or $200.20 or $2,000.20. You get the point. Whatever God is leading you towards, give. Why? Because we believe that 2020 is going to be our best year yet. We're going to see more people surrender to Christ. We're going to bless missionaries. We're going to help plant brand new churches. And we're going to see the message of Jesus spread. And we're going to put a dent in what we call the 650K. And that is the amount of unbelievers that we have in the greater Richmond area. We want to put a huge dent in this because God invests in generous believers. God also invests in generous churches. So let's make the shift to decide that we are going to be generous. Let's take that next step and start living the way that God has called us to live, and that is to be generous to others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the love that you have for all of us. We thank you so much for the sacrifice that you paid for all of us. It's easy to want to be generous when we think about the cross. When we think about what Jesus had to endure on the cross, the sacrifice that was made. It becomes easy to want to be generous to others when we know that, when we believe in that. Help us to step out in faith, to trust in you with all of the resources that we have, because we know that all things that we have, it's not because of us, it's because you have blessed us in these areas. Help us to always live this generous life. We pray, God, that people would come to know you, come into a relationship with you because they would just be so thrown off by how generous we are and that they would want to come into a relationship with you because we are truly acting like you. And if there is someone here today who doesn't know if they believe or maybe they're on the fence with it but they think they're ready for that next step they think they want to join in this movement this movement of people who love and follow Jesus and want to see his kingdom come here on earth if that's you today just pray this simple prayer with me father i know that i have sinned i know that i fall short of your glory but I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he came, he died upon the cross, he took my sins on him, that he rose from the grave and he is alive today. And that if I believe in him and I confess with my mouth that I will be saved. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, 
in your mercy. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Can we just put our hands together for someone who made that decision today?